Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Our last Eye on the Enemy here for the 2020 NFL regular season, and we're going to be talking with Brian Stabby, editor for Hogs Haven, SB Nation's Washington football team site, coming up here in just a few minutes. We will preview this Sunday night's game between the Philadelphia Eagles and WIFT, the Washington football team, a game in which if Washington beats the Eagles as they should, they are the division champions for the first time since 2015. So we'll get into some of the X's and O's, but more importantly, we'll talk about the storylines, the quarterback position in Washington, and uh, what we might be looking at on Sunday night when these two teams do battle. And I've got six reasons why you should want the Washington football team to beat the Eagles on Sunday night. So that's all coming up here in the next few minutes. But first, joining me to talk about this weekend's game, a flexed game to Sunday night between the Eagles and the Washington football team is Brian Stabby. He's the editor for Hogs Haven, SB Nation's Washington football team site. Also host of the Cult of Cult podcast, which is the Hogs Haven Washington football team podcast. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at bstabby, B-S-T-A-B-B-E. Brian, welcome to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for good. having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to talk to you. And, um, you know, I think uh, it, it is interesting that this game was flexed to Sunday night. And I wanted to start off with that because it's obviously this game doesn't mean anything for the Eagles, but it means a whole lot for, for Washington. And there's a, obviously we'll know the, uh, the story with um, the Giants and the Cowboys by the time uh, Washington plays on, uh, on, on Sunday night. But it's just so interesting to me that NBC would choose to make an NFC East game, given the way the division went down this year as its premier game in the final week of the season. This is the last regular season game on the NFL yeah. schedule and it's Washington football team versus the Eagles. I just think that's hilarious. Yeah. I think the NFC East this year kind of became a bit of a meme. Uh, <laughs> and then there were, you know, up until like week, whatever it was 14, 15, when the giants beat the Seahawks mm -hmm. and Washington beat the Steelers. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, okay, maybe they are a little bit more respectable than than we thought previously. I mean, ultimately, the winner of this division will have a losing losing record. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's it's a division with with big time cities, big time markets. It gets a lot of eyeballs. So yep. as as silly as it may seem to have a six and nine Washington team go up against a four ten and one Eagles team, <laughs> they have passionate fan bases. They know that it's marketable. And I guess, you know, if you're, you're the NFL, you're, you're their broadcast partner, you say, okay, well, we'll be able to say definitively one way or another that a division, who the division champion will be yeah. after this game is over. So 
I mean, I'm not happy about it because I like to go to bed early and <laughs> everyone's been <laughs> off work uh, up until basically the day of or, you know, the, the night before sort of getting back into the 2021. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. I'm, I am looking forward to it. I am dreading it, but I am looking forward to it. I guess, you know, NBC and, and all the networks, they, they love a primetime game where it's a, a win and you're in scenario. Certainly. And so that's what they've got with Washington. And I asked RJ Ochoa this question last week when I had him on uh, from from blogging the boys. Um when the, when the Eagles and Cowboys were getting ready to play, the winner of that game really sets themselves up nicely for a, post-se- a, a possible postseason berth, especially with Washington losing to the Panthers. And you could kind of tell there was that momentum that the Panthers were going to give Washington a hard time last week yeah. because of the quarterback situation. So it really felt like as the Eagles and Cowboys were getting ready to play that game that the winner would really have a chance to control their own destiny, and especially in the case of the Eagles because they would be playing Washington here in Week 17. And obviously that didn't come to fruition for Philadelphia, but... But as we were talking about it, you know, living in the Northern Virginia area here, it's been so long since Washington football fans have seen a playoff game. They've had a team to, to, you know, see, see them play into January and here they get a chance, even though it will be with a, a losing record with a seven and nine, it'd be, it'd be seven to nine, right? Cause yeah, um, yeah six right. and nine right now. So they'd be, if, even if it is with a, a losing record, how, how much would it mean to Washington football team fans to make the playoffs, even if it is with a losing record in this division this year? I mean, you get a chance to go to the dance, you go. No one, no one is deluding themselves into thinking that this is a great football team, even a terribly good football team. Under any other set of circumstances, no team from this division is worthy of, of going to the postseason. Uh, you take you know, the third place team or the fourth place team, I have, I would have to go back and check from the NFC West and mm-hmm. they, they run away with the NFC East this year. Mm-hmm. It is just how the league is structured. Uh, you know, you, you kind of, you live with it. You play by the rules that are set. I think for the fans, I've, I've definitely gotten whiplash this, this year. I think at some point, you know, they were down in the dumps and said, okay, well we can basically forget the idea that they're going to the postseason. Like let's, let's dispel this nonsense here. I am, you know, one game away at this point in the last week of the season and you take it. These opportunities for Washington and their fans have come so few and far between that any opportunity to be there is, is one that you cherish and you relish. And it's been a hard year. I mean, not, not even to mention, the on-field stuff, but off the field, it's, it's been a hard year, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of people to be fans of this team. And you know, they say winning cures all. I don't know if it cures everything, but at a certain point, you kind of have to compartmentalize everything that's going on and contextualize everything that's going on and say, all right, would I rather they make the playoffs than not, even if it means, okay, they're, they're going to go up against a team with a significantly better record if they get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I take it. It would be exciting. I, this it's been a roller coaster and it would be something where you don't, you don't say, Oh, well, we get a better draft pick if they lose out. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. well, you, you can't. At You've had point, years of that. You've had years of better draft picks yeah. by, by losing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I would imagine, I'm just, I say that to say, I think the, I think the fan base has just lost their taste for that picking number three, picking number four. I think they'd rather see a playoff team. Yeah. These come so infrequently. 
you know, I was talking with Brandon earlier this week and, and he was pretty down in the dumps. Um, <laughs> I, I read his 11 things I think piece and I was just like, man, you guys have made the playoffs in the last three years more than Washington has made in the entire last decade. And to be, I don't, I didn't want to say, you know, you like you're spoiled because you know, I, well, I get it. But at the same time, like when success comes from a football perspective, it, it does stand out because whereas historically the, the, the norm, the expectation mm-hmm. was success in Super Bowls, that era has, is long gone. Yeah. And so you take what you can get. Yeah. And I think where Eagles fans are coming from is it feels like an opportunity was squandered these, these last few years with stupid decisions and that just crawl, it gets at you. I mean, it, it would sure. be one thing if, you know, they, they won their, but we also as Eagles fans had, had been saying for years, if we win the Super Bowl, you know, that that's all we'll ever need, you know, right. and, and everything, and everything's gravy yeah. from, from that point on. And here we are three years later and we're looking at one season out of the playoffs and it's, it is pretty depressing. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, you, you lose a little perspective. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, let, let's talk just a, a little bit too about, about Sunday, but I do want to transition back to, um, to, to the future as well in, in just a minute, but I want to get there by going and talking about Alex Smith, because sure. I, I think it's the best story in football this year, what, what he's been able to do coming back and starting the year as the third string guy. I never thought he'd see the field given everything that went on with his leg, almost dying from an infection, how long yeah. it took him to come back. What he's doing is a miracle. There, there's got to be a movie made of this at some point in the next few years, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been reported today that Smith was limited in practice, but took some first team reps in team drills. So uh, it looks like there's a chance that he could play on Sunday night. And, you know, if you've got Alex Smith and you've got Tyler Heineke as, as your two options here, it's pretty clear which one is the, is, is the one that Washington football team fans are hoping for. But how much has Alex Smith, the Alex Smith story, how important is he to Washington winning this game on Sunday night against the Philadelphia Eagles? I think they have a chance to win if he plays, and I don't know that they do if he doesn't. I think it really comes down to that. They'll they'll name the comeback player of the year after him yeah. for what he's done. I mean, <laughs> he's not going to get the, he's not just going to get the award. He's there. They should name it after him. I mean, you're right. He, he almost died when he came out when, first of all, when he made the roster and was like, Oh wow, that's, that's kind of surprising. Like, you know, they, they kept three quarterbacks. Uh, little did we know <laughs> what, yeah, right. what would, what would, <laughs> why they would have needed to do that. Yeah. Um, his, his story, you know, he can't, he, he came in, midway through the year and i felt nauseous mm. i was oh yeah i was terrified and i believe and i don't want my my bonafides my credentials to be questioned here i believe it was against the rams and in the first series he was out there aaron donald like had his entire body weight on top of him and i thought i was gonna vomit yeah. it was horrifying because i was i'm regrettably was watching the game when he snapped the leg mm. live mm-hmm. it was it was nauseating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea that he was able to even walk again, let alone play football was, was remarkable. And so to see what he's done this year, I mean, it's, it's pretty breathtaking. You know, the, the part of me is like, okay, you've, you've proved everything you need to prove. Some guys are just, they're just built different. And I think Alex Smith is one of them. And I think if Alex Smith is, is, playing the whole year this team Washington probably finishes with a winning record 
you know, m- most of their most of their losses, uh, especially you know against Carolina, they 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 win that game against Carolina. They at least finish with a 500 record if Alex Smith is playing. And I'm I'm assuming Washington wins the game on Sunday because I I do feel like that's kind of where things are headed. I'm not sure who the Eagles are going to play on Sunday afternoon on Sunday evening on, on their on their own side of the ball, and that's that's going to be a a thing for for Washington and for whoever wins the Giants Cowboys game to keep a close eye on who the Eagles are actually going to suit up for, for this game. That means nothing to Philadelphia, but so you've got Alex Smith here, but he's obviously not the long-term solution. I mean, who knows if he's even the next year solution, you know, and they, they released uh, Dwayne Haskins, which felt like I was having a, a discussion about this with somebody um, uh, the other day, who's also a Washington football fan and couldn't understand why they just released him. And I said, well, you're not going to trade him. There's, there's, you know, you're past the trade deadline. You're not going to, you're not going to get anything for him in the off season. And there's just, there's no sense having him around. What kind of disappointment level is there in Dwayne Haskins? I mean, did everybody kind of give up on him even coming into the year? Or is there still some hope that he might be able to figure some things out, out this season? Because it's not like he's a third round pick. This guy was taken early in the first round a couple of years ago. He came into the year as the starter. He was voted team captain by his teammates. So I think the expectation was that this season, once they made the, de- the determination that he was going to start, and that was fairly clear from early on, this was going to be a evaluation year. Really, I think it was supposed to be an evaluation year up and down the roster. And when they sat him, I think more people were mad, myself included, mm-hmm. and questioned the decision because with the context of it being an evaluation year, it seemed like you were hamstringing yourself because then, well, then what? You, you feel like he's not capable of being a starter right now, but you want to keep him around. It seemed, it seemed like the right decision would have been. You play him no matter what, and if he's bad, and it, it, it sort of seemed like Ron Rivera didn't, want him in the first place. Jake yeah. Gruden didn't want him in the first place. It seemed like really it's come out that the only person who wanted him around was Dan Snyder. Yeah. If he's bad, then Ron Rivera is proven right and they can clean, make a clean break and you have the tape to be able to justify it. If he shows signs of improvement, then great. There's something to build on, but it, it appeared at the time to be a very ham fisted decision to start him, then sit him. Mm-hmm. ultimately it ended up being the right decision. And that's why Ron Rivera is a professional coach and I am not, <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely disappointment. I think what went wrong? Like, can you explain like what went wrong with Dwayne Haskins? He's not a very good quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it sounds sometimes simple, the simplest explanations are the right ones. You know, he, he never, you know, what, what was, what made him a first round pick in the first place? He had a big arm. He played on teams where every single in college, where every single guy on his roster was better than 90% of the guys he played against. When you're playing against university of Maryland and Minnesota and Indiana, Mm -hmm. you're going to go out there and Terry McLaurin is your number one receiver. And you know, you are going to be on an offense that has six, seven, eight guys get drafted. You're going to go out there and you're going to look really good. Mm-hmm. which he did. Now, of course, that discounts the fact that they play, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, whatever. But Dwayne Haskins, and I, I believe this, Dwayne Haskins, growing up in the area, he probably until he got to the NFL was the best football player he ever knew. And so when you're the best player you ever know, you know that. Everyone around you is telling you that. And you start to believe it. Of course you're going to believe it. 
and you get drafted in the first round. You're, you know, so all these things are sort of building up and then reality hits. Mm-hmm. And the reality was that he wasn't ready. I think certainly he put, he was not put in a in a position to succeed. Yeah. I think he would have been better suited to have not played at all last year to have sat and watched and listened and learned. He was unfortunately put into a position where he had to play. Didn't play terribly well. Mm-hmm. Occasionally saw glimmers, but like it was clear he was going to have to learn for a while. Then gets, you know, they make the call. All right, we're, we're going with it right now. And um, I don't know that that was even the right call at all at that point. Do I think that under a certain other set, under another set of circumstances, I think that he could have had a career in Washington, but at this point, it is unclear to me if he's going to have a career in the NFL at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't see it. Maybe he's a backup someplace uh, to start off and maybe he gets another shot kind of like RG three is seeing yeah. some action with Baltimore, but you know, it's uh it's, it's a dicey situation for a, still a very young guy, you know, so see, we'll kind of see where he lands. Yeah. And you know, that is, that's not even to mention some of the, the off the field stuff, right. you know, and my take on it is that he is, still learning and growing sort of not just as a football player, but like as a human being mm-hmm. and guys mature at different levels. You're a function of your environment. And if we're saying that his environment is mm-hmm. that he's been sort of held up on this pedestal, you need to sort of learn to be able to adapt to different set, sets of circumstances. I hope he does well somewhere because it would be a shame for him to grow up in the way that he needs to, but have it be too late to be able to maximize on his skills. And I, right now it sort of feels like if this is not the wake up call that he needed, then it may not happen for him, which would be a real shame. Yeah. But it just, everything that could have gone wrong did. I mean, we can talk about X's and O's with this game on Sunday night, but I don't really, there, there's not a whole lot of a point to that because again, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know who the Eagles are going to be suiting up. So, I mean, you, you might see a defensive line that is mostly makeshift guys and uh, Washington has so much to play for. Philadelphia really doesn't have anything to play for. And that doesn't always mean the team with something to play for is going to pull this thing out. But um, I, I look on the I, I, Eagles defense versus Washington offense. I think Alex Smith can have a lot of success against this banged up Eagles secondary, which really flat out stinks. Looking at the defensive side of the ball for Washington, I, I I love Chase Young. I mean, what a great pick that turned out to be. He's been as good as advertised. And I really, I mean, we, I think all of us at, at Bleeding Green Nation have been saying all year that the Washington defense is probably the best overall unit of any team that any team has in the NFC East. They're a fantastic defensive unit. And when you've got a defensive unit that's that good, how far away is Washington from being a legitimately good football team? If you've got a defense like that in place, what what does Washington need to really take the next step and be a quote-unquote good football team? The NFL, I mean, the Eagles are a prime example of this. It gives and it takes away. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Eagles, what, three years ago, Super Bowl champions. And right now, it's it's clearly not going the way that you think. And, you know, every year, some team seemingly goes from last in their division to first in the division the following year. So it's like, you know, it, to say, oh, it's a game of inches. It, it's true. Mm-hmm. Washington's defensive line, I agree, I think is the probably the best position group in the league. The, the fact that they're fourth best defender right now is like Jonathan Allen, mm. who, you know, he's been playing out of his mind. Montez yeah. Sweat has kind of quietly become 
one of the top defensive linemen in the league. Mm -hmm. I do think that Chase Young is going to be defensive rookie of the year this Mm -hmm. year. And we're very lucky to see it. It's like, it's a lot of fun. Um, The defensive secondary, you know, still could use some work, but really the, the weakness right now is at the skill positions on offense. Um, Terry McLaurin, I think is fantastic. He's really shown himself to be a really good, capable wide receiver that I think would be starting and potentially be a number one or number two on any team mm-hmm. in the league. After that, the drop-off is uh, it's pretty steep. Steven Sims can go out and catch balls, but you know, the, the, the positions that they need for guys to be able to go out and, and win games, they're not, they're not talented enough at the, mm-hmm. at this point, the offensive line has, um, made lemonade out, out of lemons. Yeah. They're not all that skilled either as a group. I think real, we're talking like bottom of the barrel type guys who have played the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's still people around here are loving on Antonio Gibson at tailback. I still think that there's room for growth there. We could definitely use another tight end, Logan Thomas, who was a college quarterback and has gotten better basically every mm-hmm. single game this year, is is getting there, but he's he's not in the top half of tight ends in this league. Yeah. And Alex Smith is a for now is a quarterback who can he won't lose you games. Right. But you don't feel great that he's the guy to be. He's obviously not a long-term solution. Mm -hmm. That is a huge question mark in the future. And I mean, it's even a huge question mark for Sunday. If he's going to be able to play, if he plays, how healthy is he? I don't really know. Um, So the, the distance, the difference between six and nine and or, you know, nine and six right now is minimal. There were a couple of games where, you know, Washington loses to the Giants by three because they opt to go for a two point conversion with Kyle Allen, who just, he just, you know, he just didn't have the sense to run for the pylon and win it at the end. Mm-hmm. They lose to the Lions by three points the following week, and then they reel off four games in a row. And that's like a classic Washington football fan response. Oh, well, we were so close. We were so close. But, I think you usually end up with the record that you deserve in the long run. And mm. so for Washington, if they can go seven and nine, get in the playoffs, then people will be pretty stoked. Yeah. And it's a step forward. I mean, especially given where they finished last year, where they picked in the draft, you, you can't look at it as anything other than a step forward. And that's what Washington really has needed is some positive momentum moving sure. forward. They haven't had any positive momentum over these last few years. So, um, so as we look to Sunday night, um, you know, Again, you've got a Washington team that's got a playoff spot right in front of them. It's been 2015 was the last time they went to the playoffs, isn't that? That's that? correct. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's been five years since they since they made the postseason. Obviously, the fan base is is dying for it. It's in Philadelphia, but there won't be any fans in the stands, so the home field advantage really doesn't matter a whole lot uh, this time around. How do you see things shaking out on Sunday night? I think I think Washington will win. I think it will be close. Washington has been in this situation before, not all that long ago. They had an opportunity to clinch a postseason spot in week 16 and then didn't get there and then lose to, I believe it was the New York Giants in week 17 um, on a brutal Kirk Cousins interception. We've seen this. We've seen this before. Now, conversely, in 2015, they also had to win to get in 
against the Cowboys in the last week of the regular season. And they did. They, that was their last, their last playoff mm-hmm. berth. Yeah. Um, you're right. The Eagles, I think there are questions about who's going to play. We know that there's the, the no hat rule uh, that they, they have a lot to play for in terms of their pride, mm-hmm. uh, defending the home field. Um, a, an Eagles win all, but gives a division championship to the Cowboys. I mean, the players aren't thinking that way. Certainly they don't have those same emotional responses as I think we, as fans, I I think it's going to be Washington this year has found a way to make things harder than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Just in, in every way, in every sense, they've, they've made it harder than it needs to be. They have not scored on their opening drive a single time this year. Not once it's it's their first half play is, is really pathetic. I want to say if they come out fast and strong and they play well, then they can win. We haven't seen it yet though. Um, I, I expect a fairly low scoring game. I think it probably is a one score difference, but I do think that Washington can pull this one out and I'm going to hate myself if, uh, if I've gone on the record and being wrong, <laughs> for the second time in a row, but neither here nor there. Yeah, no, I get you. And you know, a lot, another big question mark in this game is Jalen hurts. What kind of, what do we see from him in this sure. game? Um, but I think you know, against that Washington defensive front and given the shape that the Eagles offensive line is in, um, he could have another tough day on Sunday night, the way or tough evening on Sunday night, the way he did last week against Dallas. Well, folks, listen, make sure you are reading all of Brian Stabby's work at Hogshaven, that's the SB Nation Washington football team site. Check out his podcast, the Cult of Cult podcast, and uh, follow him on Twitter at bstabbe, B-S-T-A-B-B-E. Brian, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, up next, I've got six reasons why you should want the Washington football team to beat the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. That's coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So I promised you six reasons why you should want the Washington football team to beat the Eagles on Sunday night. But before we jump into all that, I have a piece out on Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, It'll either be out by the time you hear this or out very soon after you hear this. And... You know, as I was thinking about this uh, football team and where they are as we finish up a pretty dreadful 2020 season, and we look at what's coming up here over the next year, two years, three years, and, and this offseason in front of us, we everyone's eyes 
should be focused on Jeffrey Lurie right now. And this is what I wrote about for BleedingGreenNation.com. The entire future of this football team really hinges on a single decision, I think, that Jeffrey Lurie needs to make. And Jeffrey Lurie is the only one who can make it. We will see whether or not Jeffrey Lurie truly is looking at the situation with clear eyes. We will see whether or not Jeffrey Lurie is delusional or not. Based on what he does with Howie Roseman, there is no way you can look at what has happened with the Philadelphia Eagles and think that you can move forward with Howie Roseman. The, I mean, the Eagles are 4-10-1, and one, right? They're nowhere close to being in postseason contention. There's a multitude of questions that this team has to answer. And they surround Howie Roseman. Lurie's consigliere and most trusted advisor. Will he stay on as GM? Doug Peterson, the only coach in franchise history to win a Super Bowl. Will he remain? Will the offensive coaching staff that was thrown on Doug Peterson last offseason by Jeffrey Lurie, will they, will they stay or will changes be made there too? Is it time to move on from Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator? And who will be this team's quarterback in 2021 and beyond? And there are so many more questions on top of that, but the smaller questions facing this football team cannot be addressed until the larger ones are tackled. And the biggest one is the future of Howie Roseman. Let's, the, the 2017 Super Bowl team is not walking through that door anytime soon. This is an expensive team. They are $71 million over next year's projected cap. They have failed miserably at selecting high-impact players in these last five drafts, all of them under Roseman. The coaching staff has failed to develop those players, and they have to share some of the blame as well, but it's clear that it's going to be difficult to rebuild this roster with so much money kicked down the road to aging veterans and a franchise quarterback soaking up $34 million in cap space next year that appears to have no real future with the club. And I look at where the Eagles are right now as they approach this offseason, and I look at where the Philadelphia Phillies were, the baseball team just across the street, where they were as they entered this offseason. And as many of you who listen to this podcast know, I also do podcasts on the Phillies, a uh, Phillies podcast called Hit and Season for the Good Fight. Uh, and I have taught, we talked a lot about the shape that the Phillies were in with general manager Matt Klintak, a, a, a general manager who didn't seem to know what he was doing. Right, And whether it was a combination of bad luck and bad decisions or whatever it was, the Phillies were rudderless. They didn't, they didn't know which direction they wanted to go. They had no identity. They had no real future. And team owner John Middleton recognized that there were major problems with the organization from the top down. And although it took him a little bit long to make the move to to pull the trigger and start to and start to realize that major changes were needed, he eventually did so. And they fired general manager Matt Klintak and brought in a president of baseball operations, a guy who had been to who had taken three different franchises to the World Series and won two World Series with those franchises. One of them is recently as in 2018 with the Boston Red Sox. And Dave Dombrowski is now in charge of making the baseball decisions. And the Phillies and their fans feel so much better about the future of the franchise because they have a guy in place making decisions who has a long track record of success. And they brought in a general manager in Sam Fold, who's an analytic guy. He, he fills in some of the holes that Dave Dombrowski has as far as some of the new age stuff in baseball is concerned. And so you actually, you actually feel, as Phillies fans, like the owner was aware of reality, 
could could see with clear eyes what was happening with his franchise and went about making changes. And so the Phillies were not delusional. They recognized their faults and realized changes need to be made. And in order for the Eagles to get better, Jeffrey Lurie needs to do the same thing. And my big worry this offseason is that Jeffrey Lurie has his eyes closed and his ears and his hands covering his ears and is just yelling, la, 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 I don't see anything. And he's going to keep Howie Roseman and allow this guy to continue making the same types of decisions that have put the team in the place where they are right now. I mean, we only need to look at Roseman's objectively terrible record of drafting, right? We, Roseman has gotten the term cap genius simply by just moving money around. And, and it's essentially what happens when you're in debt and you keep refinancing that debt and pushing it further down and pushing it further down. Eventually, you have to pay. You have to pay your debt. This is one of the oldest teams in the league with the least amount of flexibility cap-wise. Is also a guy who has failed to supplement the roster with good young players because they have whiffed on a number of draft picks. And really just a couple of the wide receiver picks in recent seasons, Jay Jaw over DK Metcalf and Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson are the ones that are the most obvious. But trading up for Andre Dillard, Dillard, I don't think going into next year is going to be the starter over Jordan Mailata, a guy you took in the seventh round. He's made contradictory decisions, drafting Arcega Whiteside and then signing Alshon Jeffrey to an extension, drafting Jalen Hurts immediately after giving Carson Wentz a record contract extension. He's missed out on opportunities to add impact talent like DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, and Robbie Anderson. He's wasted trade capital on players they failed to get full use out of like Jannard Avery and Golden Tate, ignored entire positions, linebacker and safety, and overspent at others at defensive tackle. The power structure inside the team also appears broken. You look at what Doug Peterson has, and I don't remember any Super Bowl winning coach in recent memory with ownership meddling the coaching structure last offseason, and essentially a defensive coordinator who is autonomous to the head coach. I've, I've never seen a Super Bowl winning head coach have as little power as Doug Peterson has. And Doug talked about that a little bit this week, and he says he doesn't want to have a whole lot of say into personnel, and that's fine. That's Howie Roseman's area, but it sure sounds as though, and it sure looks as though over the last couple of years, like Doug Peterson has had virtually no power whatsoever. And that's not to say Peterson's performance shouldn't also be called into question. While he did win a Super Bowl three years ago, the team's been in decline ever since. He's failed to develop Carson Wentz, although Roseman and Wentz himself share responsibility for that decline. He's watched his team start each of the last three seasons dreadfully slowly. His September, October, November record the last three seasons are far below par to the point where they've had to rally in December each of the last three years and weren't able to do it this year. And the Eagles offense has become one of the most boring and ineffective offenses during that stretch. So if the Eagles decide to move on from Doug Peterson, I'll understand it. I still think Doug's a good coach, but I will understand it if they want to clean house. But if you're going to clean house with with Doug Peterson, then you also need to move out Jim Schwartz. And Schwartz's defenses are generally okay, but his over-reliance on the defensive line and an inability or unwillingness to play younger players like Kayvon Wallace and Sean Bradley and LJ Fort over lackluster veterans like Jalen Mills, Nate Gary, Vinnie Carey, how these guys become coach favorites is beyond me. And it's an infuriating trade. His refusal to play Ford at middle linebacker last year was confounding. And his unwillingness to adapt his game plan for the personnel he has is maddening. 
And it's really hard to see. I don't see a whole lot of innovation from his defensive schemes. But no decision will alter the course of the Eagles' future more than what he chooses to do with Roseman. Paul Domowich's report on the security Roseman has inside Lurie's inner circle wasn't surprising, but it was deeply disappointing given all that's occurred this year. To hear that Roseman's return has never even been in doubt, that it's something Lurie has never even contemplated. When you read something like that, it's terrifying because if Jeffrey Lurie really is sitting in the owner suite, watching everything that has happened over the last five years, looked at the team's draft record, looked at the list of things that I just went over with Howie Roseman, and it hasn't he hasn't even contemplated making a change there, the only thing that tells you is that the owner is delusional. I find it hard to believe Lurie wouldn't even be comprehending the removal of Roseman. I mean, there was a poll in the Philly Voice that showed 95% of more than 4,500 readers believe Roseman should go. And that's not to say that the owner should be making decisions based on what the public thinks, but this isn't even a close call. It would be delusional to think that the man who has overseen some truly horrific drafts these last five seasons would be allowed to chart the course ahead, armed with a top 10 and maybe even a top five pick at his disposal. Roseman has made mistake after mistake since the Super Bowl, and it's impossible for anyone to find a reason why anyone should be confident that he will have the answers moving forward. Does Lurie see that? He has to, right? Does he see that keeping Roseman while removing Peterson would be illogical? What rationale would he use for running it back in 2021? The pandemic? What rationale is there for bringing Howie Roseman back? Clear. The, here's what needs to happen. If if you if you're a fan of this football team, you are desperately hoping that the owner has clear eyes because that is what is needed. That is what is required to fix what ails this football team. And right now, Jeffrey Lurie's opinion is the only one that matters. And if he believes that Roseman possesses the qualities and expertise to lead the birds back to the promised land, it will not be based on evidence or results because there is no evidence other than that magical 2017 offseason where every free agent that he signed, every veteran that he brought in, every trade that he made worked. There are There is nothing based on evidence or results or facts that would lead you to believe that Howie Roseman should be given the keys to fixing this football team. In order for the Eagles to get better, the owner of this team has to look at the facts and make an honest assessment of what's gone wrong, who's to blame, and how to fix it, and that is by making a change at the top with Howie Roseman as general manager. And folks, I hope that's where we're heading this offseason. And I think that all starts on Sunday night against the Washington football team. I, I really do think the Eagles will lose this game. It's clearly in their interest to lose this game, but as I was thinking about it, All three of the other teams in the NFC East have a chance to win this division. Washington, Dallas, New York. Dallas and New York play each other on Sunday afternoon. The winner of that game will still be alive uh, when the Eagles and Washington football team play on Sunday night. And if the Eagles pull off the upset, the winner of the Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game will win the division. But there are six reasons why you should specifically want the Washington football team to beat the Eagles on Sunday night. And of course, the the main reason is that it helps the Eagles draft position. 
Right now, the Lions at number seven, the Giants at number eight, the Panthers at number nine, and the Broncos at number 10 all have five and 10 records. Any combination of a win from those teams and the Eagles and the, uh, pardon me, a, a, uh, a loss from one of those teams and the Eagles winning would move the Eagles back in the draft. So the Eagles could pick as low as 10th if they win against Washington on Sunday night. If they lose, they could pick as high as number three. I don't think that's likely to happen. You're probably looking at the number five or number six pick in the draft if the Eagles lose to Washington on Sunday nights. This is a huge game for their draft position. Now that the playoffs are completely out of reach, now that Jalen Hurts' lackluster performance last Sunday afternoon in Dallas has completely muddied the waters as far as what this team will do at the quarterback position in 2021. Even a great Jalen Hurts game doesn't really make you feel good about anointing him the savior in 2021. Losing this football game is clearly what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles draft position. And if you're an Eagles fan, you should be rooting against your football team on Sunday night. It's going to be hard to do, but really this this is an easy one. It wasn't as easy a call last week against Dallas when the Eagles still had a realistic shot at winning the division. Really, the, their fate would be in their hands if they'd have beaten the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday afternoon. But now that's that's all taken care of. This team is not going to finish first in the NFC East. It behooves them to finish last and finish with, with as good a draft pick as possible. The second reason why you should want the Washington football team to beat the Eagles on Sunday night is I do think it would help Jeffrey Lurie face reality and perhaps nudge Howie Roseman out the door. At 4-11-1, you can't argue about what this football team is. I would argue you can't argue about what this football team is right now, anything else. But does anything ride on this game concerning the future of the front office? I think maybe it could. You know, you get swept by the Washington football team in, in the final game at home. You, you can't beat a Washington football team that has Alex Smith as their quarterback. And as much as I think Alex Smith gives Washington a really good chance to win, he's clearly not a really good quarterback. You know, the Eagles, I, I think I saw from Bet Online, the Eagles, um, they were at nine and a half wins to start the season you know, for, for betting purposes over under. And they will have, especially if they lose, they will have um, finished – further under Vegas's mark than any other team in the NFL. Basically, they will have underperformed more than any other team in the NFL this season. And I would I would hope that a loss on Sunday night on national television with the with the announcers talking about how awful the season turned out to be, that that might help Jeffrey Lurie face reality and perhaps nudge Howie Roseman out of the general manager's office. And, I, and, and frankly, keeping Howie in place to handle cap stuff while you bring in Dorsey, that's not going to do it, okay? It needs to be a clean break if it's going to happen at all. And that's, and that you know, a loss could help maybe spur that on. The third reason why it would benefit the Eagles to lose to Wift on Sunday night is that it would hurt Washington's draft position. If Washington wins the NFC East, which they would absolutely love, by the way, They'd be picking in the middle of the first round in the mid to upper teens, same as any other NFC East team. However, Washington, frankly, of all the NFC East teams, would probably most benefit from a top top five pick because Dwayne Haskins is out, Alex Smith is not the future, and there's nothing else in the cupboard at quarterback. 
So if they win, they're going another year with a muddled quarterback situation in 2021. They'll have their division title. They'll have their home playoff game, which they will probably lose. And they'll be picking in the mid-teens, which is nowhere near where you want to take a quarterback. And Washington goes into next year with more questions at quarterback. It does set them back long-term, whereas if they get a top-10 pick and maybe even a top-7 or top-6 pick, I think they probably wouldn't be able to finish in the top 10. I'm not sure exactly where Washington's draft position would be if they don't make the playoffs, but it would be, it would certainly would be higher than if they win. You could conceivably take a quarterback. So Dallas, I think is all still set with Dak Prescott. They're not drafting a quarterback early in the first round. I think the giants are still feeling pretty good about Daniel Jones and the Eagles do have Jalen hurts. If they, if they end up picking number 10 and don't go with a quarterback, Washington is nothing at the quarterback position for 2021 unless you bring back Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, and, you, and Alex Smith still has something left next year. They could most benefit from, from picking really high in the draft of any of the four teams in the NFC East. So winning the NFC East hurts Washington's draft position and, and hurts their ability to really find a difference maker at the quarterback position next year. Number four, it would prevent the Cowboys from winning the division. And listen, while I don't necessarily want the Cowboys to get a high draft pick, I definitely don't want them winning another NFC East title, even if they do back into it. I want to deprive Jerry Jones of that. Yes, I'm that petty, (laughs) okay? I want to see Washington win the NFC East over the Dallas Cowboys because I just don't want to see Jerry Jones happy or pleased in any way, shape, or form. Number five, it would prevent the Giants from winning the division. And yes, I hate the Giants more than Wift. And I would love to see them lose out as well. The Giants could pick as high as number three, though, if they lose. So uh, that would be less of a reason. But again, I don't think... I don't think they pick a quarterback if they're picking number three. Plus, if they win the division, Dave Gettleman likely sticks around, although I don't think he's going anywhere anyway. But I can't stand the Giants. They're slightly less than the Cowboys, but uh, I would rather see Washington win the division than either Dallas or the New York Giants. And the sixth and final reason, and we touched on this a little bit with Brian just a few minutes ago, is the Alex Smith story. I mean, this is the best story in football. And I still am terrified every time he gets sacked terrified that that leg is going to tear apart. I hope he retires this offseason, but what an amazing story the Alex Smith story is. I mean, it really is something else. And can you imagine if he wins a playoff game, what the storyline there is? Just an unbelievable story of determination, of fortitude, of perseverance by Alex Smith. I would love to see this guy go out there on Sunday night, win his team, the division, for the first time since 2015. When they make a Disney movie about it, they're not going to mention the team's record. They're only going to talk about everything he fought through. And now he, on the last day of the season, the last game of the 2020 season, is Alex Smith overcoming all of those obstacles to win the NFC East for the Washington football team. It's a phenomenal football story. It's a phenomenal human story that I would love to see. It's the it's one of the biggest reasons, probably outside of it helping the Eagles draft position. This is probably the second biggest reason for me. Putting a, a wonderful coda on the end of the Alex Smith story here in 2020. And really, it really will be the first good story of 2021, but it would be a, a wonderful way to wrap up the 2020 season, what has been a pretty dreadful 2020 season in sports here in Philadelphia, and generally speaking, overall. Um, but that those are the six reasons why, as an Eagles fan, you want your football team to lose on Sunday night against the Washington football team. Well, folks, listen, I'm recording this here on New Year's Eve. 
I have really enjoyed bringing you this uh, podcast all season long. I hope to continue doing it into the 2021 season. And I know this has been a brutal year for, for all of us. Uh, it has been a rough year. It has been a tough year, not just because of the football team, but because of everything. And I really do want to thank you for listening to this podcast, for listening to me yammer on about the Eagles all season, for following me on Twitter, and for reading my stuff on Bleeding Green Nation. And I know everybody else associated with all the podcasts and with the website really appreciate you guys being there for us, reading what we write, listening to all these podcasts, and and being with us through a really a really dumb Eagles season. This has been a truly dumb and stupid Eagles season, and uh, we know you guys are diehards, and that um, hopefully this podcast and all the other podcasts kind of help you get through it. But um, I do want to wish you guys a happy new year. Here's to better things in 2021, both for our football team and overall. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Eye on the Enemy. And we'll catch you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N.